friends, I'm Kaylin. And I'm Logan. And this is Bones, a true crime podcast. If you guys want to see pictures or info related to this week's case, you can follow us on our Facebook page, Bones, a true crime podcast, or find us on Instagram at Bones, a true crime pod. If you have any case suggestions or just want to shoot us an email about any information, our email address is bones a true crime podcast at gmail.com now let's dive into this week's case so our episode this week was intended to be a mini episode um it was more of like a negligence than a crime when i first started researching but the more information i found the more i began to kind of change my mind so we're going to be talking about the missing submersible that vanished on june 18th while taking a trip down to see the ruins of the Titanic. Uh, Spoiler alert that I'm sure everyone already knows, but they believe that the Titan combusted, and now they're finding, like, ruins of it. When I first started researching that, it wasn't to that point yet. I feel like the actual combusting of the Titan is more of a crime, though, than it's being made out to be, just because of the circumstances surrounding it and all of the warnings that went into it before. So my original intentions were just to talk about the missing submersible, how spooky it was that it went missing while observing the wreckage of the Titanic. And then I was going to talk about conspiracy theories related to the Titanic. Now, though, we're just going to do a full-on episode and just talk about all of it because I'm invested. So get on your foil hat. The Titan is a 22-foot-long, 8-foot-high, and 9-foot-wide submersible. The submersible weighed 23,000 pounds and has about as much room as a minivan on the inside. The Titan is the most lightweight and cost-efficient deep-sea submersible that has been made to date. The Titan is operated with a game controller that is available on Amazon. They keep a couple of the controllers on board in case one was to malfunction, but the company feels like they're reliable because they are made for teenage boys to throw around. The Titan submersible is not a submarine, so it's not an independent water vehicle. It is dependent on a ship above water. I'll explain a little bit more about that later on, um, but I just want to help you understand why it's being built like it is. So the Titan is bolted shut from the outside, meaning the crew is dependent on someone else to put them in and let them out of the submersible. Because the Titan is so small, the size of a minivan, there's really limited availability for crew members on board. There was only one passenger on board that had been on the submersible before, and he was actually the CEO of OceanGate. I'll tell you more about him later, too, but he was confident in the equipment that he had assisted in building, and there was only one person on board that really knows what they're doing as far as operating the machine. With that being said, passengers are responsible for assisting in the sonar operations, pictures, videos, and communicating with the surface. The captain is responsible for delegating the tasks appropriately. OceanGate is a company that built the Titan and manages the adventures. I don't think I had mentioned that yet, but that is who operated this whole thing. The Titan was taking a journey two and a half miles underwater. These extreme depths take time to get down to and to come up from, so going to the bathroom has to happen on board. OceanGate recommended that its passengers' diet should be restricted before and during the search because it reduces the likelihood of needing to use the restroom, or at least less frequently. There is a makeshift restroom on the submersible. Logan, did you see videos or, like, pictures of that when they were all going around Facebook? 
Um, so I didn't see any of the bathroom, um, but I did see like the videos where they were like getting in and how small and compact everything was and how it literally mm-hmm. looked like a 12 year old boy built this thing. So I watched a video actually advertising the machine and it showed how the restroom worked in cases that it was needed. So there's a window that you looked out into the ocean which was like the window that they were also looking out when someone wasn't using the restroom. And then just like this little tube, they pull a curtain and turn up music for added privacy. But to me, I feel like that's equivalent to throwing a toddler potty down in a small room filled with people and turning on a radio. I'm sure a sacrifice like this is minuscule for someone that's about to go explore the actual ruins of the Titanic. But that is just another reason that I could have never signed up for an adventure like this. I'm really not super adventurous, and I hate the thought of being very far underwater. I don't like heights, and I don't want to do anything very wild. So it would just seal the deal for me when Ocean Gate, the exploration company, handed me the waiver that all of these divers signed before going down. Before taking the expedition, you have to sign a waiver that lists paragraph after paragraph of ways that you can be injured or die. I would absolutely be hyperventilating at this point. It kind of reminds me of the waivers. I don't know if you've ever had to sign them when you take your kids, like, to the trampoline park and it's saying they're just not liable if, like, your kid breaks a bone or something. This is the contract that OceanGate had, but much higher stakes than a trampoline park. OceanGate was founded in 2009 and based in Everett, Washington. OceanGate has completed 14 expeditions and 200 dives. They have three five-person submersibles, and the submersible is different from a submarine because it requires the support ship to launch and recover it, like I had mentioned earlier. It's just less independent than an actual submarine. So OceanGate began taking tourists on underwater adventures to explore the Titanic via their submersibles in 2021. The company had five eight-day expeditions scheduled for 2023, and another five scheduled for 2024. The Titan disappeared on the Ocean Gate's third trip going to see the Titanic wreckage, though. The passengers paid $250,000 per ticket to take this once-in-a-lifetime trip. It's really hard for me to imagine having that much money to use on an excursion, but also just to imagine having the guts to do it. Everybody that was on board this ship, they were like adventurers. The Titan began their dive down to the Titanic at 4 a.m. on June 18th in 2023. While approximately two-thirds of the way down, the Titan lost connection with the research vessel, the Polar Prince. Contact would never be regained. Some records say that they actually set sail at 6 a.m. with 96 hours of oxygen. They were under for about an hour and 45 minutes before they lost connection with their support ship. And their support ship was that Canadian icebreaker that um, we just named the Polar Prince. So it took them about an hour and 45 minutes to get two-thirds of the way down. And they had 96 hours of oxygen, so it seemed like a real amount, like they would not need to use all of that unless it was an emergency, which it did end up being. The Titan went missing in the North Atlantic Ocean on June 18th of 2023, approximately 900 miles east of Cape Cod, Massachusetts. 
It was all hands on deck from the time the Titan lost contact. The United States and Canada had plane searching. The Canadian Coast Guard, United States Coast Guard, Navy and private research and commercial vessels with remotely operated vehicles all jumped in to help. Side scan sonars were being used to look for objects on the ocean floor. And there were three C-130 aircrafts, three C-17 transport planes, patrol aircrafts, and surface ships being used. I don't know what any of those words even mean. <laughs> That's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> Sounds like a lot. They sound like really important vehicles. I, I give them credit. Good for I'm sure them. they do a great job. They do. I just know it. Um, the following Tuesday, June 20th, the crews had searched 10,000 square miles for the missing submersible. The area searched was larger than the state of Connecticut. I had mentioned they began their mission with 96 hours of oxygen, but it was quickly dwindling down and expected to be at 41 hours by Tuesday. Oxygen was expected to be depleted, so there was really a clock ticking here. Early Wednesday morning on June 21st, an underwater noise was heard. The search crews detected the bang and acoustic feedback. A Canadian aircraft heard the banging every 30 minutes. We don't know what time or how long it lasted, but that's just the information that they had at the time, and we'll go into a little more detail for that later. I mentioned there were five passengers aboard the Titan when it disappeared. Um, the first one we'll tell you about is Stockton Rush. He was the Ocean Gates Expedition CEO. He was operating the submersible. Stockton Rush is the descendant of two people who actually signed the Declaration of Independence, Benjamin Rush and Richard Stockton. I think I read that his wife had two relatives on the Titanic as well. So they're like old money type of people, I feel like. Stockton Rush graduated in 1984 from Princeton with a degree in aerospace engineering. Growing up, he wanted to be an astronaut, but after Stockton earned his degree, he decided he wanted to be a fighter pilot. Stockton Rush had an experience in designing and building airplanes and submersibles. He said that safety is a relative term. If you want to be completely safe, don't get out of bed. Stockton Rush was 61 years old. And I feel like he really liked to live life full throttle. British billionaire and action activation owner Hamish Harding was also aboard the Titan. Hamish Harding was 58 years old. He holds the Guinness World Record for the longest time spent traversing in the deepest part of the ocean on a single day. He also holds the record for the fastest circumnavigation of Earth via both geographical poles by planes. I thought this was kind of interesting because the Titanic began its voyage racing to complete their journey, and Hamish was also about beating these records and doing things before others. I kind of feel like that's part of him being on the submersible, the Titan. Action Aviation, the company Hamish owned, is a sales and air operation company based in Dubai, Hamish has even flown to space, so it's just not a surprise that he joined in on this mission going where others don't. Another interesting fact is that he was responsible for helping reintroduce cheetahs to India. Wow. He does a lot. Yeah, these are like big people. Big, big people, I feel like. 
not that I knew their names before, but they just do a lot of things that you wouldn't even, like, I didn't even know normal people would be responsible for doing things like that with animals, like reintroducing. Wouldn't that be all the conservation? Yeah, you would think so. Is there, like, worldwide conservation? I mean, I assume there's, yeah, conservation state to state, and then there's probably, like you said, like, some sort of conservation group that's for, like, whole countries or for worldwide or, you know, certain areas, I feel like. Maybe he was, like, responsible with helping fund it. That could be something, too. Um, Terry Vertz was a friend and business partner of Hamish and a former NASA astronaut and Air Force pilot. He gave this quote from Hamish, if you'd like to read it, Logan. Yes, he said he was excited. The text I got was, hey, we're headed down to the Titanic today, exclamation point. Paul Henry Nargelet, which I don't know if I'm saying that right, was a 73-year-old French dive expert that has been on over 35 dives to the Titanic. Um, Paul Henry is the director of underwater research for the RMS Titanic Incorporated. The RMS Titanic Inc. owns salvage rights to the wreck, and they display many of their artifacts in the Titanic expeditions. I think I read that you can actually do an online tour there if you aren't close to one of their locations. The RMS Titanic Inc. has conducted eight research and recovery expeditions from 1987 until 2010. French dive expert Paul Henry has been on over 35 dives to the Titanic. So Paul had been down to see the Titanic an unreal amount of times. Like, I feel like that's probably some kind of record because I can't imagine even seeing it one time, but going down 35 times. And it's really tragic that his last time going down to see it was the last thing he would ever do. And, you know, to me, like, he's already seen it. It's really weird that he paid someone $250,000 to go down in a submarine that you had to sign multiple, like, waivers for saying, oh, you might die. Like, wouldn't you just go down again with these people that you've done it with 35 times and lived? And also probably didn't pay $250,000. That's true. It seems like he was very dedicated, obviously, to the Titanic. So maybe he just wanted to, like, experience every different way going about it. I don't know. Um, I'm sure that every time you go down, it's really interesting. I can't even imagine seeing, like, the animals and stuff down there. Yeah. Like, that all blows my mind. I'm also scared of everything. So (laughs) I would... Never. I mean, the sharks would be cool until they came by you or something. I don't really, I don't know that sharks are cool either. Maybe Come on, Kaylin. You don't like sharks? Behind a glass. Behind a glass. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not named. Shahzada and Solomon Dawood were a father and son going on this trip to the Titanic as a bonding experience. Shahzada was a 48-year-old Pakistani businessman and descendant of one of the most wealthy families in Pakistan. He was the vice chairman of Angro Corporation and on the board of trustees for the search of Extraterrestrial Intelligent Institute, who's looking for aliens, basically. Shazada was a resident 
of Britain, where he lived with his wife, Christine, and their two children, Alina and Solomon. Shazada was supposedly passionate about the lore of the Titanic. Uh, Shazada and his family were passionate about science and education. They spent loads of, they spent loads of money donating to and founding charities and organizations for both. Shazada had a love of gardening, photography, and animals. Solomon was just 19 years old. Solomon was just 19 years old and reluctant to go on the expedition with his father. Nonetheless, he decided to go because it was Father's Day and he just wanted to bond. Solomon was eager to please his father, and his aunt was quoted saying that her nephew was terrified of this expedition but wanted to go for him. Solomon was attending university as a business student, and after graduating, he was planning to work with his father at Ingro. The two had a very close relationship on all accounts. So there are several theories about the missing submersible. I'm sure a lot of these also, there's going to be more information out by the time this episode's released, because I keep checking and, like, daily they're putting out more stuff, even if it's just little details. I'm sure things will change. But as of today, this is where where we're at before this episode's releasing. Um, David Pogue, a CBS journalist, was on the submersible that disappeared, but back in 2022, he claimed that the submersible t- he claimed that the submersibles make up to five attempts to go down to see the Titanic, and they're lucky to even completely make it down once. So during the other attempts, it's kind of like working out the kinks. They have hiccups in the road, so they return to the surface for help. I read somewhere that the crew that combusted could have been aware that there was a flaw in the Titan and began going back up when the machine combusted. Anyways, David Pogue was lost for two and a half hours during his expedition. He says that he was not on the submersible when it was lost, and that the submersive was never actually lost as far as communication with the boat on the surface. But he was on the trip, from my understanding. The sub was just simply lost on the ocean floor, so it wasn't able to locate the Titanic. The ship is supposed to send instructions down to the submersible in an attempt to help find where it's going, and those instructions just weren't helping the team underwater to get to the Titanic. The submersible has seven different return-to-surface techniques. If something happens, it's supposed to drop off sandbags, other pieces of equipment, and things like that to help it resubmerge. There was a possibility that they were potentially bobbing around somewhere waiting to have the bolts released so that they could come out. One of the seven return-to-surface techniques is time-released. So even if everyone was unconscious aboard, it would have still happened. The other possibility is that they were underwater and needed to be towed back to the surface. So they could have been possibly stuck, like, in the Titanic somewhere or underneath something. This is where the race of time came into play. The submersible didn't have the power to come back up on its own. If it was damaged, it would have to be towed, and the only training that passengers receive as far as emergency responses is regarding if there is a fire inside. David Poe believed they either lost all power when they were two-thirds of the way down, or the submersible was breached and imploded instantly. I read somewhere there weren't any signs of debris, which left searchers hopeful. However, I later read that wasn't the case and that there were signs of debris. Jim Bellingham, a Johns Hopkins University expert on deep-sea operations, told USA Today that there were three possible locations for the submersible. 
floating on the ocean surface after an electrical failure or some other mishap. Drifting in the water column anywhere between the surface and the bottom because it became buoyantly neutral or on the seafloor, perhaps entangled in something that wouldn't let it float to the top. Those aboard the submersible would have experienced organ failure as oxygen decreased. Less oxygen going to the brain results in weakness, confusion, and loss of consciousness. Oxygen supply is just an estimate because anxiety, fear, speech, and a faster heart rate can increase the amount of oxygen a person uses. If the submersible was damaged in any way, there are new risks that need to be considered. If damaged, it may not properly filter out carbon dioxide and could be unable to maintain a comfortable temperature for the passengers, so there was potential that they were in extremely cold temps and could quickly put themselves into a state of hypothermia. The Marine Technology Society advocates for the ocean technology and education. They wrote a letter in 2018 to Stockton Rush regarding the approach his company was taking to explore the Titanic. 30 people signed this letter because they felt OceanGate was taking an experimental approach. They felt this could lead to safety concerns as well as have a negative impact on the industry. OceanGate apparently claimed that their craft met and or exceeded the safety standards. The signers believe that this breached a professional code of conduct. They were right in my opinion, but this is just one of the many attempts to stop this tragedy that occurred from happening. So, Logan, if you want to read this quote from USA Today, this is going to be, I'm just going to talk about some of the construction red flags that were brought to everyone's attention. Yes. Okay, so USA Today was quoted saying, David Lockridge, Ocean Gates Director of Marine Operations, wrote an engineering report in 2018 that said the craft under development needed more testing and that passengers might be endangered when it reached extreme depths. According to the lawsuit filed that year in U.S. District Court in Seattle, Lockridge was fired because of his disputes with the company. He had been denied access to the viewpoint information from the engineering department and discovered why during the lawsuit. The viewpoint manufacturer would only certify their product to handle 1,300 meters of pressure. OceanGate plans to take passengers down 12,500 feet, 4,000 meters below sea level. The company who supplied the experimental design wasn't confident enough in their product to guarantee any more than 1,300 meters deep because they didn't know what would happen. One article I read said that there were multiple flaws in the design. While they just raised red flags the first time, the more often they are put under strenuous circumstances, the more likely they are to falter. There was also potentially hazardous flammable material going down to extreme depths with these passengers. OceanGate sued Lockridge that year, accusing him of breaching a non-disclosure agreement, and he filed a counterclaim alleging that he was wrongfully fired for raising questions about testing and safety. The case settled on undisclosing undisclosed terms several months after it was filed. So the Titan was constructed with supplies from Camping World and operated with a game controller you would use for like an Xbox or a PlayStation. The quote Logan is about to read next is from Jeff Eggers, a former Navy commander who operated crafts of a similar size. 
He was quoted saying, you're incredibly reliant on the integrity of the vessel and you're dependent on the resources you've built into the craft. Oceangate countered the claim from their former employee Lockridge, insisting that he was not an engineer and was not hired to perform engineering services on the Titan. The firm says that the vessel was under development as a prototype and is not the now-missing Titan. That information came from AP News. I think this is all just a big red flag because they were more concerned with firing someone who was willing to speak up, whether it be in their department or not. Then they were proving that their finished product was done properly. A British adventurer by the name Chris Brown actually paid a deposit to go on the Titan voyage, but he withdrew after much hesitation. Chris was concerned about his safety and the fact that a commercially available game controller was used to steer the Titan. Rush countered this by saying it was durable because it was made for 16-year-olds to throw around. He also mentioned that there are multiple on board in case one malfunctions. Good for Chris Brown. I'm glad he's still alive. So, on the morning of June 22nd, the submersible would have ran out of oxygen, but it isn't believed the crew made it to that point. There were signs of debris floating and at the bottom of the ocean next to the Titanic. Um, supposedly five major pieces. The tail cone was found 1,600 feet away from the bow of the ship. And the Titan implosion is believed to have killed everyone on board instantaneously. So they didn't suffer. They didn't have to slowly go into organ failure and suffer through hypothermia or anything like that. And I do think there's a little piece in that, at least for their families, I would hope. Stockton told journalist Dave Pogue in an interview last year, at some point, safety is just a pure waste. I mean, if you want to be safe, don't get out of bed. Don't get in the car. Don't do anything. And I'm sure when Stockton gave this quote, he meant it more harmlessly than it is now. I mean, the men on the excursion in 2023 are those that attended other journeys. They were adventurers. They did amazing things in their lives, and I'm sure that each adventure had its own threat. The Titan just seems like a big negligence case to me. Kind of like driving a vehicle. There's always a risk that something could go wrong. After a certain year when you renew your tags, your vehicle's inspected, and if it's not safe for the road, you can't drive it. This is a tragic story, but like, this is a tragic story, but like the Titanic, I think it will cause great changes as far as rules and regulations to save others from experiencing this tragic fate. Retired Navy Vice Admiral Robert Murrett said, I think some people believe that modern technology is good, so you can do things like this and not have accidents. But that's just not the case. I think that Robert was spot on here. We feel so safe and secure because technology has come so far, but I think this will be a big wake-up call. When the Titanic went down, it started a domino effect of other rules and regulations that would be put in place to avoid tragedies like the Titanic happening again, and I think the same thing will be done for the Titan. James Cameron was the director of the film Titanic and made 33 dives to the wreckage himself. When he found out about the missing Titan, he reached out and discovered that the submersible lost tracking and communication simultaneously. After finding this out Monday morning, he was confident the implosion was the only logical answer, and he wasn't the only a person, and he wasn't the only person aware of the tragic truth so early on. The U.S. Navy apparently detected an acoustic signature consistent with an implosion on Sunday and relayed that information to the commanders leading the search effort, a senior official told CNN. 
These sounds came from a device that apparently stayed out there just to help warn the Navy of enemies or potential threats, so it wasn't known to everyone that they were there, but they did pick up the sound. The sound was determined to not be definitive, the official said. Mogger said rescuers had sonar buoys for at least 72 hours and had not detected a catastrophic event. Listening devices set up during the search, though, also didn't record any signs of an implosion after the crew went no contact. They believed any chance of saving a life was worth continuing the search, and I agree. I just think they should have been more honest with people about the probability. I understand why they didn't want to give up on five missing people and continue to search, but they pretty much gave everybody false hope, but most importantly, the families. The Navy also helped analyze the audio signatures of banging and other acoustic data that were heard in the search efforts. They decided these were likely some form of natural life or sounds given off by the ships and vessels that were a part of the search efforts. Um, I mean, there were a lot of people involved, and now that people are aware that the search crews likely knew what happened from the beginning, they are uneasy of the situation altogether, which is where the conspiracy theories are being thrown around and people are starting to make speculations. I wanted to give a brief overview of the Titanic since that is the wreckage the Titan I wanted to give you a brief overview of the Titanic since that is the wreckage the Titan was visiting and tell you about some of the conspiracy theories related to it. In 1912, the Titanic was the world's largest steamship and was said to be unsinkable because of its futuristic designs. The Titanic went down on April 15th in 1912 and killed 1500 of the 2200 people on board. It was not found on the ocean floor until 1985 and was found 370 miles off the coast of Newfoundland, Canada, which is 2.4 miles below the surface. The 1997 film The Titanic is a classic movie that I think really keeps people interested in the ship and wanting to know more. I know that's all really brief information, but I know everyone probably already knows it, and I just wanted to give a refresher before going into some of these theories and um, opinions people have. Is it okay to admit now that I've never watched the Titanic? No, it's not. What's wrong with you? Is it good? That's like, yeah, it's like a classic movie. Okay. I okay. actually don't, I don't really like watching it because it actually makes me sad thinking that like people were about to die and just sitting there waiting for their fate. But it is, it's, you have to watch it, like, at least once. All right. I've watched it a few times. I just don't watch sad movies anymore. All right. I'll, I'll have to watch it, I guess. So one of the most far-fetched theories, in my opinion, is that the crew is still alive and living on an island somewhere. People believe it was all set up as a distraction for government corruption and that nobody actually died. I think this is a very sad and unfair theory for the families. I can only imagine what it feels like to hear such careless things being said about your loved ones. I'm not saying this wasn't drawn out to be a distraction, but I just really don't believe that they're hiding on an island somewhere while their families are mourning their death. Though one of the passengers' stepsons was seen at a Blink-182 concert while his stepfather was still missing, this did add fuel to the fire. Meek Mill also tweeted, I can't see a wealthy man doing this with no extreme backup plans. And Meek Mill is worth $20 million, so I feel like he's pretty wealthy himself, so that's an odd statement to make. A lot of people are also wound up from the Simpson episode that aired a year ago. 
two of the characters are going down to see the Titanic when one, I think Homer, runs out of oxygen and then is stuck underwater. I think the director of The Simpsons also went on a mission with the Ocean Gate. I'm not really a big conspiracy girly, so I don't keep up with all the Simpson predictions, but this has people fired up online. I saw so many TikToks where people were like, the Simpsons did it again. I feel like anything that happens is somehow related back to the Simpsons, which I don't know if it's just like a coincidence or something we should look more into. But at this point, to me, it's getting kind of freaky. Newsweek Today says some are now claiming that the Titanic was sunk in 1912 in a plot to kill those who objected the establishment of a Federal Reserve by the financial dynasties in favor of it who had orchestrated a fresh tragedy to deter investigation of the wreck. Some people conspire that this is all a ploy to keep people from visiting the Titanic. They're afraid if too many people explore the wreckage, they may discover that it was not an iceberg that sunk the Titanic. There is supposedly a treaty being made so that commoners cannot view the Titanic without a permit. I think we should be more worried about the water vehicles that are being used to take citizens down without a permit that are actually viewing it. Like they don't monitor the construction or anything like that of these um, underwater vehicles and they don't have any rules or regulations. So I think that should be a little more important than a citizen, like, getting a permit to go down to see it. Some claim the Titan sinking is a prelude to a new gold-backed currency being announced. So they think this was set up, and there's about to be a new currency announced, that we're going to go back to a gold-backed currency instead of our... Lovely paper. A white nationalist broadcaster, Stu Peters, claims that he knows who's really behind the Titans implosion. The Jews. (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) I also, this was one of my most comical ones. So the Titan was funded by um, the Rothschilds, which is a wealthy Jewish banking family. Peters wrote on his Twitter, the Titanic, and it's like quoted like iceberg, like it wasn't real, crash was as fake as the moon landing, and so is this submarine story. Um, There are millions of theories that I could tell you about, and they're all just as crazy as these are. The most common theories I hear about are people thinking that this is just a cover-up or a distraction for something else the government is responsible for. This episode was a lot different than usual. We had a lot of votes for conspiracy theory episodes, so you'll have to let me know what you think and what, if we didn't list your conspiracy theory, I want to hear everybody's because there were so many that I couldn't even add them all to this episode because I was overwhelmed. Yes, let us know what you think in the comments. Um, I'm leaning towards the whole government distraction, but maybe you disagree and you can tell me why. You can follow us on Instagram at Bones, a true crime pod. Find us on Facebook on Bones, a true crime podcast. And email us with any questions or case suggestions at Bones, a true crime podcast at gmail.com. Okay, see you guys next week. Bye.